Hello, everybody. Welcome in. I uh, hope you guys have been well. Hopefully, your weekend went stupendously, and uh, you managed to stay out of the, the, the crosshairs of the left. Um, I am Mr. Merka, the Beard of Truth, Jason Lyon. I want to thank you guys for being here once again. And um, <clears throat> tonight's show, as you can tell, is already starting off late. Uh, busy, busy, busy day, busy weekend, and uh, certainly not a weekend without casualty, without crisis. Um, I want to first give a big thank you to Muddy Waters Media for allowing me to come on here, uh, voice my opinions, my views, and my uh, yeah, my opinions, my views to you guys. And so, thank you guys all for for coming in and for sharing it out with me, Mr. Merka, the Bearded Truth. Uh, thank you guys all for the for the retweets, for the shares. For all of the support, um, it truly does make me feel great. Um, so, <clears throat> tonight's show, we of course have to talk about what happened in Sri Lanka. Um, but we also have to talk about some of the repercussions of it. We, we saw many things come from this that uh, diverge from the quote-unquote the norm. There's a lot of things being ignored and a lot of things being omitted, and certainly that is something that should be discussed. A lot of people are focusing... Well, we'll get into, we'll get into the whole story and everything else. Um, but then we also want to talk a little bit about Kamala Harris because Kamala Harris running for President of the United States, it's, it's good to uh, put the Put the positive light on all of her negativeness um, and any any light, right? The sunlight is the great clean, or is it the greatest cleanser? Um, so we're we're going to talk a little bit about her. We're going to talk a lot about the uh, the Sri Lanka, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what has come from the. The Mueller report, because it's 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 of course a big topic that a lot of people want to ignore and um, want to go after, and so certainly it's something that uh, the media and Democrats they are are heavy with using malfeasance and lies and and just being what they are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man i i just got uh yep i just got slammed in the private group for muddy waters uh but nonetheless it's always a good time so thank you matt for that i'm not gonna say what you said but nonetheless we are here having a good time so i don't know if you guys are commenting or not but i'm not getting those popped up on restream i know that some people are having issues with restream we'll see if we can get that figured out um might have to contact the boogie bumper get that fixed up. But so over the weekend on Sunday, the day of Easter, um, the day of Easter for many religions, uh, the day in which, uh, the, the catchphrase, if you will, is he is Rosen or he is risen this is the day in which from the Christian point of view is to cherish the day that Jesus Christ, um, rose from the dead after three days and and on this day there in Sri Lanka there was well over 200 people killed 
through explosives, through suicide bombers. Um, they were killed in their churches and they were killed in hotels. And the response from this was very telling of by knowing who was being attacked and how it was done, the way that the media would respond. So when this, when these, when this tragedy happened, when this atrocity happened, if we think back to the tree of life there in Pittsburgh, if we think back to just a couple weeks ago to the New Zealand shooter, if we think back to any time in which a church was attacked, that didn't happen. That didn't happen to be because of a religious basis entirely, right? If it was against Muslims, of course, it was fun in that way. But if it was against like another Christian church or another Catholic church or or a Jewish church, there was we would focus on the tools. We would focus on the ideology that sprung from this or that, that caused this to spring upon us. We would focus on a lot on the group behind or the individual behind the atrocity. When it came to the New Zealand church shooter, specifically people wanted to point out his extremist, racist, and um, – I don't want to call it xenophobic, Islamophobic, if you will, to use that buzzword. His his views and his stances were so adamantly against those that it raised him to the level in which he wanted to commit those atrocities. And his intentions were, in his eyes, in his opinion, not of mine, was for the betterment of his area. And this was openly and correctly criticized by the media across all fronts. Not only did they criticize him, but then they attempted to vilify others by clumping him in with those groups, with other groups. He was suddenly alt-right. He was suddenly just a white nationalist. He was suddenly just your mainstream conservative. He was suddenly a libertarian. He was whatever the media was not. And they harped on this. They said that the weapons being utilized should never be in the hands of a civilian, should never be held by anyone who has an appreciation for life. And that if you hold these weapons, that you're holding weapons of destruction, of murder, of war. They were quick to criticize and to demonize Anything and everything, regardless of how strongly or weakly associated with that shooter that they could have conflated groups to. But when it comes to this situation here, here in Sri Lanka on Sunday, more people were killed than combining the New Zealand shooter, the Tree of Life shooter, Columbine School the church down in Sutherland Springs, Texas, many of the church shootings that have occurred in recent past or killings in a church do not, do not compare. They pale in size to what this atrocity was. And yet for some reason, the media has gone soft on this. 
they have taken this and they believe that it is it's just a singular in, a group of individuals that committed this there's no wide, widespread rampant disgusting views of hating people because of their religious views no 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 this was just a small select couple of people there's no reason to conflate them out there's no reason to believe that there's others that hold these similar views they don't blame the weapons that caused this carnage there's no calls for despite the fact that there's already bomb laws across the world effectively there's no calls to making it more difficult for bombs to be created, to be obtained, to be utilized in order to save lives. They don't call for more harsh punishments on the kill, for killing others. They seemingly have ignored what they have said in the past when it fits their narrative and their agenda. There is a huge malfeasance that is going on when the media does stuff like this. If the media is to be taken seriously and not as the enemy of the people, then they need to handle situations with the severity of the situations. And when you want to try to argue that the situation here from this last Sunday was not as severe as previous situations, this is an outright call for terror. This was an action of terror. This was by one of the actual suicide bombers, a call to saying that if anyone, if anyone should not agree with the Muslims, with the Islamic faith, then they too should be killed. They too should be taken out and be murdered. So this open, open calling for violence, for killing, for murdering of others falls on deaf ears when you're a part of the mainstream. This is something that I don't care what your religious beliefs are. If you believe in Islam... You can believe in Islam, but you should be condemning this in its absolute. It is disgusting. It is abhorrent to believe that because somebody doesn't believe the same thing that you do, that you have the morality, you have the power, you have the proper intentions in taking somebody else's life. There are journalists out there right now saying that if you call out the names of some of the suicide bombers, then that in itself is Islamophobic. What does Islamophobic really mean? It means that somebody's afraid of Islam. And I don't think that the people that are talking about this situation, that they necessarily have a fear of Islam. They may have a grotesque hatred. They may feel um, repulsed. By some of the views and some of the stances taken by those who follow Islam so intrinsically. There is a a large issue here that we have double standards. We have separate standards, one set of standards for people that believe in in Christianity, that believe in, in Judaism that believe in in Buddhism, it doesn't matter. And then there's another set of standards for people 
who follow Islam. This should be this should be something that we we all should denounce. If we find out, so if we see a Christian commit an atrocity, killing people, and they do it under their own ambitions, it is not difficult for Christians to say yes. He is a disgusting person. He he does not follow the faith, and and he should be denounced. And we do denounce it unequivocally. That is something that mainstream people talk about all the time. Mainstream Christians do this every single time. But when it comes to somebody of the Muslim belief, doesn't happen. And in fact, some of the most predominant moderate Muslims who denounce these actions have been getting kicked off of social media platforms for years. Welcome in, Boogie Bumper. Have been getting kicked off for years. It is such a struggle for them to be able to come out and to talk about these things and to condemn this and to show that even these actions that were committed are not even in line with the way that Islam is supposed to be. Now, you can read the Quran, and you can read about the five pillars, and you can read all of the the scriptures and the writings, and you can find the, the absolute grotesque lines within there saying, you know, you should be hurting and killing others for not believing in the faith. And this is where a discussion on what, what needs to happen for Islam to be um, acceptable in its own in its ideological state, how can it be acceptable and be assimilated into other cultures without having heavy reformation, such as removing those parts or understanding that those parts are no longer applicable to the world? We have to get rid of those derivations. We have to get rid of that ideology, of course. And these these criticisms, these criticisms are looked at as Islamophobic. It is just that buzzword that the media has used, that Hillary Clinton has used, that many of the, the big left-wing coexist people have been using in order to try to shut down the conversation, in order to push away the facts and, and the truth, in order to continue to uh, commit to their intentions. Now, these intentions are, regardless of how good or bad these intentions are, the end result is never, never good. So I am not openly calling for violence against uh, people of Islamic faith. I am openly calling for people to be realistic and call out atrocities when they happen. And I, and I hope that that can come about. Now, while we're talking about this, I do got to point out, and I think I left that page. I feel terrible about doing that. Uh-oh. No, it's on it's it's on my page. There we go. Um, I do want to point out some of the responses. Some of the responses from this. If we look back at when the New Zealand shooter situation happened, when those church, when that mosque was shot up, when those two mosques were shot up, the <clears throat> the outpouring of love, compassion, and sympathy, empathy, and, and, and just all around care coming from the left wing for, for the Muslim people globally was, you could feel it, right? You could go onto Twitter and you knew it was there. And 
I want to share this with you guys because they called out the followers of Islam. They called out the Muslim faith by name. And so I want to I want to first start off with with this portion right here. Welcome in Ernie Banks. This portion right here. Now, we have a bunch of tweets from different previously elected and currently elected officials. The attacks on tourists and Easter worshipers in Sri Lanka are an attack on humanity. On a day devoted to love, redemption, and renewal, we pray for the victims and stand with the people of Sri Lanka. Barack Obama. Julian Castro. On a day of redemption and hope, the evil of these attacks on Easter worshipers and tourists in Sri Lanka is deeply saddening. My prayers today are with the dead and injured and their families. May we find grace. Dan Kildry, such a horrific attack, terror attack on Easter worshipers and tourists in Sri Lanka. My thoughts are with the victims today, or uh, with the victims of today's attack. We must stand united against hate and violence. It's amazing that we can find these exact words being used. Easter worshipers. Now, it, it's truly disheartening to me that in all the words of the English language, then all of the definitions that we have, then all of the phrases that they decided to all pretty much all within a couple hours of each other use the term Easter worshipers. Now, I have been a man that has, has re- studied religion. I've studied the cultures. I've studied into the ideologies and everything else. I've never once opened a book and and had them be labeled as Easter worshipers. For them to call out the Muslim by name, the Muslim faith, the people who follow Islam, to call that out when an atrocity happens against their religious group, but to somehow ignore the word Christians to somehow forego a smaller word while using tweets in order to have more characters to pour out their hearts for the atrocity that was committed when more people were killed in this situation. It shows a complete motivated planned atrocity It is what it is. If you're going to have one effect, if you're going to have one view on this and change it up because of the people that were attacked, not a good look. Now I want to, I want to, because we have to remain, we have to remain consistent. I do got to share this one as well. This is from Donald Trump tweeting on the topic at hand. 138 people have been killed in Sri Lanka. This was very early on after the attack. And with more than 600 badly injured in a terrorist attack on churches and hotels, the United States offers heartfelt condolences to the great people of Sri Lanka. We stand ready to help. Trump didn't call them Christians either. I just, for our consistency's sake, he didn't call them Christians either. But I believe, I do believe that Trump did not set the precedent either, though. I don't believe that even with the New Zealand shooting, that he called out the Muslim groups. I may be wrong on this. Let me, let me verify that. Donald 
but so with with this understanding, there is a difference between the two, and certainly, whenever you try to misrepresent or you change up who it is, the names of somebody that you're talking to, it does. Uh, there, there is certainly a different impact there. Here was Barack Obama's tweet about the New Zealand one. Michelle and I send our condolences to the people of New Zealand. We grieve with you and the Muslim community. All of us men stand against hatred in all forms. Mm. And I also want to make sure that is that it's abundantly clear that when we when we talk about the left being against hatred, it's such a hollow phrase. It's such a hollow phrase because it has been. Okay, here is here's Donald Trump's tweet. Um, it has been so overly used by them. Meanwhile, when we look at actual hateful attacks, when we see bigoted attacks, when it comes to our schools, when it comes to uh, social events, oftentimes what we can see is these are perpetrated by those who call for tolerance for accepting for who would chant things such as Trump loves hate or love Trump's hate. Trump loves hate. Oh, I just gave them the next chanting line. That is a fruitless slip. If I never heard so myself. Um, so Donald Trump tweet was my warmest sympathy and best wishes goes out to the people of New Zealand after the horrible massacre in the mosques, 49 people have, People have so have so senselessly died with so many more seriously injured. The U.S. stands by New Zealand for anything we can do. God bless all. So the two tweets from Trump were very – they echoed one another, right? We stand with you. We support you. And they mentioned – he mentioned the, the church or the mosque. Then get into the religion. But when it comes to the left, there is a different standard there, and I, it, it, it's more telling about them, and certainly worth this. Have you guys tweeted? You guys, am I missing your guys' comments on there? I apologize if I am. I'm, I'm seeing I'm not getting anything up there. Let me send a test tweet. Actually, let me. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, there's. Uh, Looking at this whole situation, you can see where there's the. I don't understand why people have to jump to the defense of an entire group. I am willing to stand here and say, yes, the atrocity committed was by a small group of people. But that doesn't mean that this is not accepted by others. Right. When the New Zealand event happened, I said that there were some people that cheered this on. And, and so we shouldn't be blinded into thinking that it is just a small select few people whenever it may be maybe more of an internal thought that this is something that you're not necessarily entirely against. I, I'm getting into I'm getting into murky waters here, and so I, I want to choose my words very carefully on this. When the when we have atrocities that committed that maybe go to your 
your gut feeling of what's better for the world, you'll treat it much differently than when you absolutely abhor that same action if it were to, to go against what you would like, right? Give you an example of this. I am not the biggest supporter of the government. So when the government fails at providing a service or a good that it promises, I hold that in high regards. I wave that in front of your faces. You guys have seen this many a times. Um, because when the government fails, it's a government, it is an entity that was created by extortion, that has thrown people into cages, that has destroyed many lives in the pursuance of providing better, and the end result is not better. I will, I will boast that loudly. But if the government is successful, I will either find a way to critique it, or I will downplay the situation. And that is, that is my bias. You guys, I, I think that this is abundantly clear. This is my bias. And so the left does this quite openly. While they scream for tolerance and acceptance and coexisting and, and there's no issues with illegal immigration coming into our country unless you're going to actually dump them off into our, our cities that have been made as sanctuary cities, they have they are the ones that also cherish when a white man is taken down whenever an atrocity happens against the quote unquote the majority or or those cisgendered white males whatever it is right whatever group that they are most profoundly against they cherish that the same way that i i wave it in your face when the government fails at least I can say that my group that I cherish when they are not doing so hot because I can wave it in your face and hopefully help you come to the side of liberty so we can we can reduce the size of government so that we can be more prosperous, so we can be better off, so we can have better health care, we can live much more uh, fulfilling lives without them, that I, I don't... I I want you guys to see that the left cherishes events like this. They cherish, if we were to look at the Palestinian and the Israeli conflict, if Palestine was to help support, or a group was to help support Palestine by dropping bombs into Israel, they would treat that with radio silence. But if Israel should kick a rock at Palestinians, the left treats it as if it is genocide. Right. I hope that I've made that abundantly clear. And this is just another one of those events where we get to see their true hateful uh, ideologies coming through. They hold contempt for Christianity. They hold contempt for America. They hold contempt for, for Christ and for everything else. They have adopted a level of statism and, and contempt for the entire world. And it's, I don't think that they realize that what they advocate for and what they, what they push for is for their entire well-being to be removed, 
to not just be removed, but to be removed by force. And it's events like these that really, really make it abundantly clear to me that there is a fundamental cognitive dissonance that is so intrinsic or so involved at the, um, at the core of their ideology that this is why if the left continues to win elections, if they continue to move down the path that they are, they will tear away this country at a much faster rate because they will destroy every bit of life. The left only cares about winning elections and virtue signaling, just like the right. They're very much equal in their hatred of things that don't fall in line with their expressed beliefs this hour. Yeah, this hour. That is that is the very important point, Mr. Shane Sweeney. Are you guys able to see that now in the comment section? You guys are. All right. And their hatreds of things that don't fall in line with their expressed beliefs. Yes, yes. So after the event in... New Zealand and in tree tree of life there in Pittsburgh, the media went on for with this for a good long while. And now I am, we're one day after this bombing and we're getting less coverage of this situation right now, less coverage of this situation right now. One day after the event, a little over 24 hours, than what we did of the New Zealand shooter three days later. There's been no call for legislation changes. There's been no call for more control. There's been no call for condemning. All that has been happening is sweeping things under the rugs. It's truly, truly an issue. What day was it? Friday. Friday at four. Okay. Um, it, it's just, it scares me. It does scare me down to the core. Um, I do want to read a quick tweet from you guys to, to move this in a more positive way after we get from the, the grim and gloom. Bernie Sanders tweeted one time. I don't know when this was, but it was sometime. You know what's really scary? Millionaires and billionaires using their wealth and power to undermine our democracy. Millionaires and billionaires using their wealth and power to undermine our democracy. Somebody responded back to him quite accurately, very beautifully. Says the millionaire who endorsed multi-millionaire Hillary Rodham Clinton for president. The same Hillary who undermined our republic by rigging the primaries against the very millionaire who's accusing millionaires of using their wealth to undermine our republic. It's also funny that recent news, Bernie Sanders has now admitted that he's made close to a million dollars just from his book deals. That's right, boys and girls. The man who says that if you make an abundance of money, if you if you're in the top one percent, you should be paying seventy two percent. Seventy two percent of the money you make should be going to the government. In Bernie Sanders' eyes, does he believe the same for the books that he made or for the money he made from those books? No, absolutely not. He believes that the the workers that were not being paid a livable wage under his standards, that they're just fine. They're just fine 
with living that life, selling his books, and that there is not a singular extra penny that is owed to the government or to others through that action. This is a man who itemizes his tax returns. This is a man that tries to take every or keep every penny possible. While I applaud him on that, because that is what we should all be doing, try to strip away as much from the the government as possible, let them know that it's a spending issue, not a revenue issue. You don't get to also call for more revenue if you yourself are not willing to pay it. So Bernie Sanders, the biggest hypocrite, the giant hypocrite of 2016 elections, and now the giant hypocrite of 2020. Fantastic to see the man be just absolutely uh, deaf on his own ears. Mm. I do want to say this, though, real quick. In the market economy, the greedier you are, the more you serve the needs of others to get rich. And under socialism, the greedier you are, the more you leverage the state to steal from others to get rich. And as the outcome of these, eventually you run out of other people's money. Socialism runs out much faster than what the voluntary market would. All right. Before we jump into Kamala Harris, I want to go off on on a little bit of a side side discussion, a little bit of a smaller discussion that um, I think it brings up really good. It brings up a really good. <laughs> The 1%. Really good discussions. And that is so the police. Right now, the police are able to buy an armored all-wheel drive Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat. That's right, boys and girls. 770 horsepower or 707 horsepowers can be bought by your local police station. Now, this is armor to be able to protect the battery, the radiator, the fuel tank, and the ECU. So it's it's generally protected. It will also have uh, police spec lighting, ballistic armored glass, a push bar, and run flat tires. Now, you guys can look at this. You guys can think, yes, the police are great. They, they're doing good work. They're protecting the Constitution. They're protecting the government. And they're protecting and serving the people. And so why shouldn't? They have a a car that has 707 horsepower in order to wheel them around the the roads and to do what normal pirates do, to board people's ships and take their loot. Um, In all seriousness, when it comes to when it comes to the police here in the United States, it's not abundantly clear to a lot of people that there are many, many, many limitations that are placed on police officers and the way that they can conduct themselves um, on the roads, the public roads that you and I are forced to pay for. They have speed limits. Now, the speed limits are not the same speed limits that you and I have to abide by. We have nice little white white signs with a little black border that says the speed limit. Should you go more than five miles per hour over that, they possibly depending on the day or the weather um if they how they're doing in their day-to-day life they may pull you over uh 
a live stream and an obvious prior planning would cause a little more. Oh, you, you said a word that reminded me of that, that I needed to cover that. So let me finish this and we'll go, we'll go back to that. Um, because it was kind of released just recently. So these officers have a speed limit and usually it's somewhere around 90 to hundred miles per hour, where even if you're driving away from them and you're going 101 miles per hour, they cannot chase you at the same rate of speed. So they're incapable of following you at that same rate. Usually they will call ahead, set up a roadblock, try to get a helicopter. They will do whatever they can in order to try to get ahead while not breaking their own set of laws, their own set of conduct in which they have to adhere to. So what would be the purpose? What would be the reason for giving an officer 707 horsepower? Well, you may say it's the acceleration. Yes, the officer needs to accelerate super fast in order to get them before they can make it to 100 miles per hour. Uh, I believe that the current cruisers, most of the cruisers out there do just fine. Now, if you're talking about the SUVs, the SUVs may be a little bit slower, but they still do quite fine compared to the normal average Joe's vehicle. So I, I don't think that that point has holds much weight when it comes to When it comes to the cost of these vehicles, do you think that these vehicles are more or less than the average cruiser that you see driving around town? Of course, they're abundantly more. You get more, you pay more. It's it's a basic basic rules of life and basic rules of capitalism. If you want more, you pay more. So there's a larger tax burden on the taxpayer for them to be able to purchase these vehicles. That may sound fine and good to you, but for me, in my extorted funds, my funds should have no way in that. My sheriff, the sheriffs of my county should never be paying for this because it is a waste of money to have something that is above and beyond what it could be utilized for. The only times in which I believe that this could even be construed as an idea of when it could be acceptable or tolerable would be if you're in an area where there are a lot of exotic cars that drive insanely fast, and you also are in a high crime area where said exotic cars are the ones trying to get away. Um, I'm blanking, right? I can think of California and Miami, maybe, maybe some parts of D.C. Some of the bigger cities may have some exotic cars floating around, but... They aren't on the same side as all the crime. Nobody's going to buy a million-dollar car, a $500,000 car, a $300,000 car, and bring that to an area where it will be vandalized, be, be stolen, be destroyed, get into accidents, right? These people care a little bit more about that. So I, I'm failing to find a good and just reason why this should be acceptable. Now, I'm not going to say that this shouldn't be able to be sold to the average citizen because who doesn't want a 707 horsepower vehicle that they can drive as fast as they want to? If you're working on my dime, which happens to be every single police officer, every single member of Congress, every single person that's an elected official or, or appointed to their position, There's no reason why on my dime you should get these things. And and I posted this, and you would not believe 
the amount of people that say they should be able to do this in order to increase the revenue. Now, not only is this vehicle going to cost more to buy, but the in order to fix, in order to repair, in order to maintain these vehicles, that also abundantly increases the cost of them. So what we're looking at here is Dodge Charger is trying to say, look, we are going to provide you with these vehicles, please. You support us, we'll support you, and we'll give you good deals and everything else. And you know who wins whenever somebody makes a deal with the government? The people. Welcome to United States politics. Uh, so, Kamala Harris, she offered, a, this is from Reason Magazine. Kamala Harris offers a crappy apology to parents who went to jail because their kids missed school. Harris supported a truancy law that listed jail time as a punishment for parents. She offered a half-hearted apology for a hardline truancy policy she championed as a prosecutor back when she was district attorney of San Fran. Harris was a vocal supporter of prosecuting the parents of children who missed a lot of schools. That's right. If you don't make it to school enough, we're going to throw you into a cage and make sure that you get schooling in there. No, no, no. I'm just kidding about the schooling part. We'll just... Throw the parents in there. We'll be good. I believe a child going without an education is tantamount to a crime, she said in 2010. So I decided I was going to start prosecuting parents parents for truancy. My kid doesn't go to your indoctrination camps enough. Please throw me in jail. That sounds like a, oh, oh, the statism. The vast majority of murder victims age 25 or younger dropped out of high school. The vast majority of murder victims age 25 or younger dropped out of high school, Harris has said. Let's break that let's break that sentence apart real quick. The vast majority of murder victims age 25 or younger dropped out of high school. So if you if you don't want to get murdered, guys, here's what you got to do. Don't drop out of high school. We're not going to give you statistics. We're not going to give you percentages. All I am going to say is that if you don't want to be a murder victim and you're under 25, you got to go finish school uh, because feelings. Her solution to this is to stop them from dropping out. So if you've got a young little rebel kid, your teenager coming through, coming through puberty, having a good time, going through maturity and getting angst and getting angry and getting upset at their parents, as most teenagers do. All you have to do is just start skipping school. If your parents can't keep you in school and the the teachers aren't capable or allowed to in the U.S. to keep you in school, you can get your parents to sent to jail. Whoop, whoop. Who, who thinks of this stuff? I mean, really, it was it was groundbreaking strategy. She wrote in twenty two thousand nine. To date, I have prosecuted twenty parents of young children for truancy. The penalty of truancy charges a misdemeanor is a fine of up to $2,500 or up to a year of jail. Now, what happens when during that year of you sending in there and sentencing or you're, you're serving your sentence that your child still doesn't go to jail? Well, that's right. Don't worry. Your other, your other parent will go to jail. You'll go into foster care and then the government's going to control your life even more. This seems like a scheme. This really does seem like a scheme. 
where the government's like, hey, we're going to control your schools despite the fact that at a federal level, there's no constitutionality behind this. We're going to control this. We're going to indoctrinate you. And if you don't take the indoctrination, then we're going to take over you. We're going to destroy your parents' life. And then uh, we're going to force you through our system that's all broken and destroyed. So government failed and then the government failed and the government failed again. As a candidate of California Attorney General, the position she assumed in 2011, Harris supported the ultimately successful passage of a statewide truancy law. The law states that a student missing more than 30 minutes of instruction without an excuse three times during the school year must be classified as a truant. Students missing more than 30 minutes of instruction without an excuse three times during a school year must be classified as a truant. So the state now is saying that they're accountable for your children. And if the parent cannot give a just cause or an excuse as to why the child was late, hmm, truant, we'll go after the parents. Oh. Here is her apology. My regret is that I have now heard stories where in some jurisdictions, DAs have criminalized the parents. Let me read that again. My regret is that I have now heard stories where in some jurisdictions, district attorneys have criminalized the parents. The exact thing that she was pushing for, the exact thing that she wanted to adopt and help push, was being utilized. And it's one of her regrets. And I regret that this has happened. And the thought that anything I did could have led to that because that was certainly not the intention. Never was the intention. Let me, let me, let me give you back what she said. To date, I have prosecuted 20 parents of young children for truancy. The penalty for truancy charged is a misdemeanor is a fine of up to $2,500 or up to a year, a year of jail. But she emphasized that jail time for parents was never the intention. Sounds like she fails to understand what it is the consequences of her actions really are. If there are still any Kamala Harris fans out there in the world, I hope that you see this. It should be abundantly clear that she is not somebody that thinks about the actions, that thinks about what she's implementing. She may have the best of intentions, but she never thinks of how the outcome will, will, will come about or what the outcome will be. And when you have such short-sighted views, that's how the atrocities of the 16th Amendment, of the 17th Amendment come about. That's how the atrocities of the Affordable Care Act comes about. That's how COBRA comes about. That's how the war on drugs term comes about. That's how prohibition came and failed. Because despite your intentions, the outcome of what you do, of your actions, you take the responsibility of it. You don't get to say, when this comes 
to work the exact way that I hoped it would be implemented and the, the exact way that I hope it would work, that it was never the intention. It is an absolute sham. I like that. I like that, Shane. I'm going to read that. Uh, Y'all don't want me in charge of their budgets. This was back to the police. Uh, Those dudes would be jobless or riding skateboards with slingshots for weapons. Pirates and road pirates both sport black black and white as their colors on their transportation. Coincidence? I think not. Um, So one thing that I did want to come back and talk about, and it looks like I don't have that article up for some reason right now. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. So anyways, uh, recently it came about... It came about that the... The government, the security forces down in Sri Lanka knew that this was going to come about. They had information telling them that these attacks were going to be committed, and they did nothing. Now... I'm not, as I, as I said before, I will wave it in your face when the government fails to provide you with protections, to provide you with what it promises to give you, because I think that you deserve a much better life than what the government would ever do for you. And when it comes to this situation, when it comes to this situation, we have seen time and time again where... The government gets a a red flag flown in their face, thrown into their face, hit upside the head, beaten them senseless with it, and they still have the gall to not do anything. We saw this with Stoneman High, I believe that was the name of the school, down there in Florida, the one where David Hogg got famous from. The red flags were plenty down there, and yet the government didn't do anything. We've seen countless events in where the government has failed to do what it says it will do, and that is to protect the people. That's why it's not incumbent upon us to expect them to get better overnight, but why it's more important that you yourself find a way to protect yourself. Security agencies have been watching the watching the National Throheed Jamath Jihadist Group and had notified police about a possible attack, but the Prime Minister and the cabinet were not informed. The prime minister was not privy to security briefings following a rift last year with President... I'm not even going to attempt that. Cabinet spokesperson uh, Rahitha... Yep, told the press conference. (laughs) So, Sri Lanka authorities declared a state of emergency which came into effect midnight on Monday. They, the declaration gives police and the military sweeping powers to detain and interrogate suspects without court orders, powers that were last used during the nation's civil war. A curfew also came into effect at, 10, or at 8 o'clock, leaving armed security forces patrolling largely deserted streets in Colombo on Monday night. So as a result of this attack, all of the missteps that they took, one, two of the things that they did, The curfew, uh, that's a much smaller issue. But the other one is this next line that I'm going to read for you guys. This is where 
The government is stepping in the way and causing more harm. The government blocked access to Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram, and other social media platforms after the blast. They, Their intentions on this, their ideas on this was, we are going to prevent misinformation. We're going to prevent um, just downright lies being committed to the public and to others. And... That was their idea. Now, what does that actually cause? If you are limited, um, I actually know people who have friends and family that are over there in Sri Lanka during this time. They were incapable of being able to reach out to these people to even check on if they were okay, if they were in the area, the condition in any way. So that not only has traumatized the people that were there because they were living through that experience, but it also creates terror and and concern for the people not in those areas. Not having the information being able to be released means that they're limiting the press. They're limiting people from being able to, to spread the message and to spread what is going on over there. And so you have to you ha- there has to be a concern there that there may be some malfeasance on the side of the government where they have full reign over this entire topic and there's no accountability. Now hopefully if there is any of this occurring and and these are only this is not being alleged but if this is occurring, that people are at least annotating and taking good notes in order to uh, to share that out. As what I've spoke about earlier, there is a lot of disgusting practices going on right now from the nature of, of who committed the atrocity and who the target of these atrocities were. And so I would hate to see it get worse, um, but the the possibilities, of course, are there. So, <laughs> but <clears throat> I apologize, guys. Um, that's going to be it for the tonight's show. I, I I'm sorry we we started off really late, and uh, as you guys can tell, I am in the, I'm in the same room that I was in last Friday night. Um, but now we are we are slowly transitioning over for the new baby to come in. So um, I'm going to be moving out of this room, which is now my my daughter's room and into the nursery uh, until the, until the time. So it's been a a wonderful time for me this weekend, breaking my back, trying to do as much as I can. But I want to thank you guys for all coming in tonight. Thank you. Mighty waters media for uh, giving me a platform to speak on. If you guys want to give us a follow, go find us over at facebook.com slash muddy waters freedom. Go to muddywatersoffreedom.com. You can find all of our, our YouTubes and all of our uh, audio clouds from every episode. So you can find all of our information there. You can also tune in for the, uh, the writer's block coming up on Thursday. And the I believe Muddy Waters of Freedom will be returning tomorrow night. Um, and we'll have to see if My Fellow Americans is going to return on Wednesday. Um, but of course, I'm going to wrap up the the week this Friday night with you guys, and uh, hopefully that one will be a little bit closer to 7 p.m. But with that, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Enjoy your time. Don't let the media control your narrative. Um, let the truth ring true. With that, guys, I bid you all adieu. Take care. Stay safe, and uh, see you guys throughout the week.